Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Listening to Echter Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Echter Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Huge welcome, dear listeners. Welcome to another edition of Echter Millwall. We are still continuing to produce content as the lockdown. Is it easing, Dave? What do you think? Is it, is it starting to get easier out there or people just getting sick or, you know? It's all to do with interpretation these days. Rules <laughs> mean nothing. Um, I should introduce my special guest, which is Dave Collins. Welcome back to the show to Dave. Um, we are, I don't even know if we're scraping the barrel with these shows now, Dave, but we've come up with the idea of the five best and the five worst transfers in mill history. So Dave and I have compiled our respective um lists I, I found it quite um in some ways quite straightforward Dave and I noticed both of our lists are very similar with one or two exceptions but it it wasn't as difficult really I suppose because there, there were such standout good and bad transfers over middle history in many ways aren't there yeah no I agree with you I mean uh, just made me chuckle there about we're still churning out content yeah but that doesn't mean it's any good. We'll find out. Um, just in relation to this, uh, yeah, after the misery of uh, the last podcast uh, we done around the McCarthy season, this has been quite joyous, to be honest. And yeah, our lists are pretty similar. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we, we listeners only just put this out today. We're recording this the same day that I issued the um, the show that Dave and I recorded the other day, which was about a, a, a horrendous season, nineteen ninety five, ninety six. So this that was a bit like being on the psychiatrist's couch. So this is this is this is hopefully happy relief by comparison. So we're going to go through um, the top five best and the top five, if that's the right expression, worst Millwall signings of all time in our um, respective opinions. Um, I, did, I, I, I found it a strange weighing up process, Dave, because the, the best transfers, in a way, fall into two categories for me. I don't know if you'd agree that there's there's a kind of a there's a resale quality, you know, buying cheap and then reselling at, at, at some profit, 
And then there's a buying and getting huge value from a player in terms of overall contribution to the club without necessarily a resale value. Did you did you have this this mental struggle like I did? I had I had the same same problems. First of all, I think because in my profession as a salesman, I just went on resale value and then realised I had people in it that I wasn't really confident with. So then I I changed it to the other version of the people I like most and then there was people who weren't in there who should have been in there. So I've really gone for a combination with a couple of people based on resale value who are sort of in and out of the club relatively quickly uh, and then three of my all-time favourite players who were also top transfers. We've got a lot of also rands in both categories, the worst and, and the best. So we'll, we'll come to those after we've done a Miss World style countdown. Um, my, so I'll, I'll kick us off, Dave. Um, my, my fifth best Millwall transfer um, of all time, in my opinion, um, Mr. Les Briley signed for the Lions in 1984 for the grand total of um, £20,000. A sign from Hereford. Um, I notice he's on your list too, so I, I don't know if you numbered them in the same way that I did, but um, I've got Les in as my fifth number five in, in, in the hit parade. Did you give it a hit parade um, aspect or did you just come up with names? And, and, and No, I also gave it a hit parade. I didn't have him in fifth, so uh, I didn't mean seconds for me. Seconds? Second. Okay. Yeah. Higher, higher rated than... Well, that's. I won't argue with it because um, Les was... Um, it came to us in quite tough times. 1984. I mean, that was a that was a, a grim era. I mean, it was part of the the third division uh, promotion season with George Graham for 1984-85, and there were some tough years to follow. And then, of course, he saw us through the glory years of promotion and and division one, all for twenty thousand pounds. They stayed with us, I think, until about 1991, if um, if memory serves. So quite a and service. And we got rid of Andy Massey at the same time. Yeah, we did. That's right. Um, it was a long... exchange, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, that was the Hereford deal when he first came to us. Interesting career, Les. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page as we're talking. Born in Lambeth. Um, he, 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 and we started as a youth with Chelsea, but then it's a lot of lower level clubs. Hereford, Wimbledon, Aldershot. Um, and then Millwall would not have been exactly, um, I know we're, we're, we're biased, but it wouldn't have been a glamour signing, would it, for him? From Aldershot to, to Millwall in, in the third division. Um, but he spent the bulk of his career in the Lions, 227 appearances and 13 goals. And yeah, I'm sure when he signed for us in um, 1984, getting promoted to the top division was about as far away from his mind as possible. You know, uh, when he joined us, you know, we uh, would have been under uh, under George Graham, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was rebuilding the side. You know, for me, I've got him in the in my top five list based on. £20,000, which was a decent amount of money for Millwall back in 1984, I'd say. Um, so we did pay a fair, fair good uh, good wage, good fair whack for him there. Um, but then, you know, looking at his career as well, he's one of them few players who's actually played and done well in all four divisions as well. Yeah. So he's actually progressed as a player as we got better. And, and for me, you know, I know we played alongside uh, Terry Erlock and you no, know, I love Terry Erlock myself, but you know, Les was just like the grinding out engine room. You know, he was just Mr. Reliable um, and he could score some good goals as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and as you just to repeat the point you've made, I mean, he's come from Hereford. He's been Wimbledon in there, um, you know, third and fourth division days. Aldershot, um, the same. Didn't look out of place in Division One, and I think that's quite a quite an achievement for a player that would never have expected to to reach that level. You were um, Charlton and the first division that away game when he scored that goal from. Sellers Park, yeah, the famous three-nil uh, win, wasn't it, at, at uh, Crystal Palace's ground, and of course the disallowed goal at Arsenal, which um, still still rankles thirty years on. Um, what a great we, goal that was not. It was not, uh, and we were contenders, as we've said a few times. I won't flog the point, but we were football league championship contenders with the biggest in the game at that point and but for Les's goal just being just who knows where we would have finished um he closed his career with Brighton and then Slough Town um 1992-94-37 goals he's still on the staff at the den of course he's um I think he does match day hospitality over in the uh the in, in the exec um, boxes over on the in the east stand so he's still a uh, still around at Millwall so um number five on my list number two on your list Dave Les yeah. Briley, but for every every happy song, there's always got to be a sad song. Every cowboy sings a sad, sad song as well as a happy one. So we must look at our worst, number five on your worst transfer list of all time, Dave Collins. Who, who would you go for in number five? On my number five, I have Mr. Trevor Aylott. Good call. I didn't think of Trevor Aylott, um, but he, he was quite an expensive signing, wasn't he, back in the... In the in the eighties, hundred and twenty thousand, or was it hundred and fifty thousand that we signed him for? Uh, hundred and fifty thousand in nineteen eighty two, probably crowds of two and a half thousand. Um, I mean, in layman's terms, that's probably like us these days paying about five million pounds for a player. Um, you know, forty games, six goals, not much yeah. effort, not much no. quality. Lasted one season and then we flogged him for fifty-five grand off to Luton. Yeah, basically we could have cut a lot of pain out and just thrown away hundred thousand pounds. Maybe we should have distributed it along Cold Blow Lane to passing uh, <laughs> near duels and and kind of um, you know street street passers by because that would have been about the same amount of um, impact. Forty games, six goals, um, sixes into hundred and fifty grand. What's that? That's about ten grand, uh, twenty grand a goal, something like that. I don't know. Um, a very poor signing, Trevor. A local boy as well, Bermondsey boy. Um, but you wouldn't have known it from the quality of his of his play. That's for sure. It'd be interesting uh, to know, Nick, if he was at the time. And you'll you'll probably know better than myself. But I mean, just to reiterate that point, that is a lot of money for 1982 Millwall. And I wonder if that was our was that our record signing at that time. Um, I don't know if it, it must have been because I remember we. It, for a long time, I and mean, it was going back to a different era of, of transfer fee. So, younger listeners would have to appreciate £150,000 was, you know, amongst the bigger signings in, in, in the game generally at that point. Um, there were million pound signings, but only at the very top level. But it gives you a sense of how much money it was. And, and as you say, um, there were a club that were looking at the, you know, some pretty grim times back then. Crowds of three or four thousand in the den, you know, and somehow we've managed to. Lash out 150. Whether it was a record, I don't know. I'd have to check that. But it's, a, it's, a, it's a good point. He wouldn't. He would have been. I can't think offhand anyone close. Maybe John Mitchell. We signed him for about a hundred thousand, so less than Trevor Aylott, but a very, very, very poor 
Signing. Were you inspired and looking forward to uh, Trevor Aylock when we signed him? No, no, I, I don't remember being, I mean, uh, by this stage in 1982, I had been ground down. I'd, I'd, we'd had about, um, from promotion in 75, 76, and then the brief flurry of, of excitement in 76, 77, we'd had a relentless three, four years of of increasing decline. Um, George Petchy had done his worst. We, I think we're into the Peter Anderson era at this point. Um, you know, increasingly you were becoming aware that there was nothing good that's going to happen at Millwall in the foreseeable future. So, no, I don't remember being inspired by him. I do remember having some modicum of excitement when um, um, uh, John Mitchell signed for us in the late 70s, 78, 79. And I do remember John Lyons doing very well for us. But I don't think he was particularly expensive. In fact, he was, John Lyons was about half the price of Trevor Aylock with... Um, quadruple the goal scoring <laughs> deliveries <laughs> there we are <laughs> uh, to be honest yeah my, my, my number five was uh, uh, either going to be Trevor Ayler or uh, another uh, Millwall player at the same time whose surname began with A which I know we'll cover off but I think you uh, um, had a, a bit to say about it in one of our previous podcasts so I thought I'd give you a rest <laughs> Uh, Big Sam, but I'm sure we'll come back to him anyway. <laughs> if anyone, Big Sam Allardyce, a lot, a lot of these shows, uh, uh, the joy is in the tangents. I hadn't thought of Allardyce at all in this in this context, but there is um, there is video footage on YouTube. I think Match of the Day covered us losing at Lincoln back in 82, 83. And if you want to know what Sam Allardyce looks like as a player, Big Sam, the the, the northern hard man, watch him running around like a ballerina on sort of doing Swan Lake whilst the Lincoln players rough him up and put free past him. That's what Sam Allardyce looked like as a player, younger listeners. Um, my my number five, um, and some might call me harsh for this because this season is not yet over and we don't know what's going to happen yet. But I've actually put Dewey Scalak in at number five in our all-time, yes, all-time worst transfers because he was an expensive player, Dave. You know, and he's come to us as a Czech international um, 650,000 I don't know where I've got that figure from it might have been the Mill History website it might, I might have made it up but he's come to us well reputed Jerry Scalak with an international pedigree talk of him taking part in the Euro 2020 21 possibly now and I've seen nothing absolutely nothing to justify any of that talk from this player um, maybe I'm am I being harsh in your opinion by, by coming up with, with Jerry no, I don't think so. I've just realised I've thrown you a massive curveball, Nick, because I had Scalic in at number five, and then Did you? last okay. night I actually swapped him out for Aylock for some reason. Well, Trevor Aylock never had international pretensions, did he? he? Never spoke about wanting to take part in any European Championships, you know. I mean, just to answer your question, I don't think you're being harsh. At the end of the day, he's got to pull his fucking socks up well over his knees and probably up to his chin. <laughs> <laughs> in Euro 2021 it's a lot of money 600 even in this day and age you know it's a lot of money for Millwall and um, the return's been poor I mean he was signed by Brighton for an an undisclosed fee this is for Brighton listeners for 1.2 million so they've paid let's say 1.2 million we've signed him for an undisclosed fee so it must be pushing towards the high the high numbers, the sixes, the seven hundreds. I can't believe it's gonna be anything less than that for a player of international quality. Possibly more, if it's you know, we don't know. But I've just never seen anything from the boy and um it's very hard to see what the hype is 
about Jerry Scalax. So rightly or wrongly, harshly or or not, this is the nature of the show. It's an opinion-based show. I'm going to have him as my number fifth fifth worst mill signing of all time, Jerry Scalax. You are listening to Achten Millwall. So there we are. We move along. And number four in your hit parade, Dave, who have you got number four, mate? Uh, well, obviously I have Brian in at two, so I've got to drop back to number five. It's going to get complicated for the listeners. They might need an abacus here. <laughs> if sure if they come this far five. with us, they're not worried about where they sit in your hit parade or my hit parade. <laughs> They're not. Um, <laughs> it's, um, so my uh, next player for me is Colin Cooper. That's a great choice, and I didn't think of Colin Cooper. In fact, I've noted as you've sent it to me, you've, I've noted him down. I've forgotten what a good deal that was, and not what a good player he was, but what a good deal it was because signed for three hundred thousand um, pounds, I believe, as a right back originally, Dave, when he came to us as a, as a fullback. As a fullback, yeah, he was converted to a central defender and converted very, very well because he was a great, great player um, and resold for 1.7 million. So looking at it purely commercially, that's a, that's what a 1.4 million pound profit, isn't it? Yeah, this was one of my sort of um, players based on, on finances, a good bit of business. You know, we, within sort of a season and a bit, you know, or a year and a bit, he was in and out. You know, we made a healthy profit on him. He played two full seasons, really, you know, and he did. He started off as a fullback. And for memory, I don't remember him. You know, it was getting a bit criticism. We weren't a great fullback, actually. And then he moved into a centre-back and yeah. was quite commanding and an like, exceptional player, really. Hence why, ultimately, when we sold him, um, you know, what was it? Basically, we had him for just over two years. We sold yeah. him to Morris for $1.7 which back in the day was uh, a fair chunk. I don't know who moved him. I'm wondering whether it was Rioch that moved him to Central. It seems like too much of a visionary move for Mick McCarthy, having organised a, an online lynch mob for, Lynn, for for Mick McCarthy earlier on today. Um, it might have been Ian Evans. Could have been, could have been. But it certainly was an inspired move to put him centrally because he really came into his own. 77 appearances for the Lions, 1991-93. Uh, so it was quite a short career, six goals. A great striker of a football. He could, he could, it was a great, great free kick taker from just outside the penalty area, as memory serves. He used to strike a really strong, strong ball. Moved on to Nottingham Forest. I suppose that had been the Brian Clough era Forest. So he's played with some, you know, he's come from Middlesbrough, he's gone to the Forest and then back to Middlesbrough, um, 1998 to 2006. Um, and it's where he's finished his career. 606 appearances over his career. He's a very, very well-established player, wasn't he, over, over his career. 37 goals over... over over a 20-year career. England B, uh, sorry, England under 21, excuse me, and an England cap, a national team. I didn't know he played for the England national side. No, so neither did I. Always welcome down Millwall as well. Yeah, England. very, very well thought of bloke. Yeah. Very well thought of to this day. Um, and that's a rare thing. Um, which shows the measure of, of, of the man, in my opinion. So you've gone for Colin Cooper. Um, my... I'm, I'm losing track. Which one? We're on number. F- <laughs> don't don't. If you ever want to do your own podcast, is don't do what I do. Um, number four. My, my number four um, is is Tim Cahill, um, and I've based this, like we said at the start of the show. Um, there's there's a balance between contribution to the club, which was immense for Tim Cahill, obviously part of the promotion side and then the cup final side, and just the sheer presence of Tim Cahill in in, in the squad. 
but I'd, I'd, I'd placed him probably lower than maybe there's an argument he should have been higher in the, in the, in the, in the category, but I put him at number four because we, we acquired him for nothing from Sydney United from Australia um, as a youngster. And but I think we only sold him for something. Sydney's one of Theo's um, less commercial deals, isn't it? One, one and a half million pound, I think to Evan, it was just absolute steal. Even, even 20 years, you know, on nearly it still looks like a loaf. A low fee. Um, I think you have him on your list too, Dave, don't you? Um, I, I did. I did, Nick. Now, for me, um, you know, I, I've referenced before that I'm a big fan of, of, of Alex Ray, but for me, you know, and Terry Erlock and Les Briley, but for me, Kate Hill was probably the single most best midfielder because, you know, not only was the fact is that, you know, he was dynamic, he was box to box. He scored 57 goals for us in. 241 games he started. Excellent header of the ball. Um, and we sold him for peanuts, really. We did. We, we really did. sold him for peanuts. I always, I mean, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall on some of these conversations with Theo um, and, and I dare say Cahill's management. And I, I think towards the, the latter part of his career, I think Cahill knew his worth and he, I think he knew that he wanted to play in the top flight and that would have been Premier League football back then so he's, he clearly wanted rightly uh, to get in on, on that and I suppose unless we were all going to get there which we, we'd failed to do he was entitled to his shot at the at the top table but for us not to extract value from that situation is it still seems unforgivable to this day um, it, it always dents this, this kind of Theo as the great businessman um, you know reputation that he, he cultivates yeah I mean for instance we, when we sold him, we could hardly, you know, and we'll go through some some other others in as we go through. But we didn't sell him at a time when we was having a fire sale. He no. had just mm. lost in the FA Cup final, and to sell him for one and a half million pounds was basically, you know, it was outrageous when you look back now. You know, at the time we knew he wanted to go. Maybe Everton didn't have to pay that much because. Maybe his contract was pretty near the end. I think it was well known that he wanted to leave the club and just progress because he knew that he was probably a better player than, you know, than Neville. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it's not a lot of money in, in, in the scheme of things, is it? You know, no. But still a good deal, one and a half million pound profit on a player that when we got him, we was in the third division. We ended up getting to the FA Cup final and, yeah. you know, and a Champion, you know, champions of any division is good. You know, in my lifetime, ooh, I think it's the only time I've seen us win the champions, the B champions. Yeah. 88 and, 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 and 01. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twice. They don't, don't happen very regularly, do they? So. Not, not down the den, they don't, mate. No, so Tim Cahill. Um, I think we need a laugh. Let's go to our worst, fourth worst of all time. Um, who are you taking for your fourth worst transfer deal of all time, Dave? Jet from the Gladiators and Duvet Boots. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. I also had Duvet um, coming in at number four. I feel like I need Alan Freeman's countdown music. I might dig that out. Number four. Um, £750,000 we paid for Uwe the Duvet um, from Middlesbrough. Um, 
I had, doing some prep for this show, Dave, I mean, as, as listeners might be surprised, we do do a little bit of prep for the show, despite what it might sound like sometimes. Um, but I was remarkably, a remarkably average career for Uwe. And I, he, he seems to have built a career out of being really not very much. There was one decent season in Germany in the late 80s, or two seasons, with Fortuna Cologne, Cologne, 66 appearances and 36 goals. Otherwise, it's a load of 18 and 19 appearances, three or four goals yeah. and a load of clubs. I think his, his stock rose during that season before we signed him when he had a, a lone spell of Middlesbrough and scored not far off a goal a game. Yeah. You know? And that obviously made us interested, as we mentioned on a previous show, we love an international player at Millwall. Normally, <laughs> unfortunately, they're shit, but we do like international players. So this has obviously stirred the interest. And it is at the time as well um, of when we were handing out contracts willy-nilly um, and we was absolutely splashing the cash in our last desperate attempt become a Premier League team, I think, as well. Chasing the dream or, 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 or chasing the nightmare in Zampa Road. Um, 13, yeah, the, the season that you, you, you mentioned, a, load, a lot of average German seasons, Fortuna Köln, Fortuna Dusseldorf, 19, 20 appearances, threes and fours goals, really nothing to stand out. And then he goes to Middlesbrough on loan in 1995, 13 appearances and scores nine goals. And the strength of that, we offer him big money, sign him up. And we got 36 appearances from Uwe, um, just five goals. Um, and he was a big bloke, wasn't he? He was, he was, he was a bit like he had the Bob Peters quality, being a big bloke, and yet powder puff soft. He just did not fit the Millwall image of what a big centre forward should look like. You know, we've gone from, you know, um, Cascarino and, and Sheringham, um, and then suddenly you get, you get him. Um, it was a strange one, really, Nick. I mean, to be honest, first of all, I can't remember. I'm surprised he scored five goals. Uh, <laughs> I can I vividly just remember the one he scored off his arse, uh, Palace. Palace but, was the one, wasn't it? Yeah. But to be honest, I always, I had a soft spot. I have to admit, I put Uwe Fuchs in. I, I've always liked Uwe Fuchs. He was such a clown. You're getting and, soft and in your old age. He, he didn't really have. There wasn't many people after him. I know in previous podcasts uh, you referenced certain players that, uh, especially the old den, where people would take an almost uh, a hatred to, which yeah. made no sort of sense. Where I never got that with Uwe Fuchs. The, the, the people genuinely, for whatever reason, was on his side. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he reminded the Hoff reminded me of him a lot. Um, similar kind of. Um, there's a slightly delusional quality about both of them. They both kind of imagine themselves um, male models of some sort in a, in a kind of like, you know, okay magazine for Germany or something. And both of them had delusions in, in that way. Both of them spoke about wanting to get into the big, you know, the kind of Euro scene, the West German side and, and all that kind of thing. Um, yet neither of them delivered a thing. I think there was, a, I think, it was. It, I agree. It was. It was hard to hate him. You couldn't dislike him. It was just. It was something. that's a bit soppy about him. Really, wasn't there? In fairness, if your girlfriend's Jet, you're going to have an ego. <laughs> jet. <laughs> so there we are. Uwe Fuchs, number four. Both in agreement on on that one. Um, we move along though. Back to the 
the the good side of the of the fence. Um, number three, um, who's your third best transfer deal of all time, Dave? Number three. Uh, might be a surprise for this one. Okay. Um, Neil Harris. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I also have Harris um, in my list. He's got him further up the three than me. Yeah, you, you have him at three. I have, I actually had him at number one purely for the contribution rather than any. You know, we, I don't know we ever got a fee for him when we sold him. Maybe when he moved to Forest, I, I don't remember it being anything if if at all for Cardiff. I can't remember it. No, I'm not sure. Be honest, I mean, Aris is Aris, right? You know, top yeah. scorer. You know, scored goals that I haven't seen anyone else other than probably Sheridan score. Always committed. You know, I'd argue that he was Millwall through and through. Okay, you don't support Millwall, but that's not always a, a big deal. You know. Can be a hindrance sometimes, don't you? I mean, look at John Marquis, you know. Yeah. Would have been probably what we felt is, you know, problems he had with testicular cancer. Could have been, you know, could have helped us into the Premier League. Had the world at his feet, you know, him and Sadlier, really, you know, uh, could have been great for us. So, Harris, for all the right reasons, you know, when he did come back second time, you know, when we have wise. 2007. That. He went, he went, he had a spell 1998, 2004. I don't think he and wise um, saw eye to eye, didn't get along for whatever reason. That's when he went on loan to Cardiff. And he actually played for three seasons at Nottingham Forest. Not a tremendous number of appearances for Forest, though, Dave. Only 33 starts yeah. up there and one goal. So not a happy time. Um, I always feel with Harris, Nick, and it's. Look, it's not unfair because it is what it is. Life is what it is at the end of the day. But before he got his um, his testicular cancer, he had something that he never had afterwards. And I thought he had, I wouldn't say he had out and out pace, but he, he was very quick. Off He'd of, have thought. You know, very yeah. quick. Yeah. Uh, and very quick over a couple of yards. Sheridan was a bit like that as well. He was... Not exactly blessed with pace, but when he come back to us, for, or when he come back from his injury, and then he come back to us again as a player, it's almost like he's, he just didn't have that sharpness. You know, it never fully recovered. I thought, you know, no. I mean, it's an. I've always found it's it's an interesting life in many ways. Neil Harris, and, and, and he's, he's still with us, so it's a bit of an odd way to describe it in some ways. But you know, he he became he became bound to Millwall in a way that he probably wouldn't ever have done if, if he hadn't have been afflicted with the illness because almost certainly, um, you know, we, we'd just been promoted, almost certainly would have scored goals in at the championship. The old Neil Harris, as you say, was a, a highly mobile, very intelligent goal scorer. Almost certainly would have moved on to, um, I think Spurs were reputed interest. I think even Liverpool were interested because um, Liverpool needed a goal scorer and he would have fitted their bill. And, you know, it, it it, the Neil Harris that we have now, which is almost bound intimately with the story of Millwall ever since, wouldn't have happened. He would have moved to, to Liverpool or, or Spurs and gone on to whatever, you know, wherever the football fate would have taken him. It wouldn't have been a Millwall legend in the same way. And it's just interesting, the twists of um, fortune in that way, because the illness is what kept him with us, really. He never really looked like anything other than a Millwall player forever afterwards, did he? No, you're right. I mean... Makes my top five. Um, he's him and 
oddly, him and Briley are the only two, which probably says a lot about who my favourite players are, I suppose. Him and Briley are the two in my top five who didn't really have a resale value. So they were there purely for from enjoyment, you know. Millwall, Millwall factor. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that's Neil Harris um, playing legend and a very very good record as a manager. So, you know, that, that, that binds... He'll forever be... Neil Harris of Millwall, and even though he's managing other other clubs, I think that's just how how fate has taken him. Um, hide him at number three, uh, at number number one, actually, for for, the, for the, what you might call the cultural impact rather than the the financial impact. But um, my number three, um, so I'm looking down. I have George Savile, at number three, um, purely on the. I mean, he's, he's the biggest profit of the lot I mean there's there's no it, as I said a couple of times is you, you're weighing up the the kind of the Neil Harris style impact of a player versus the sheer money that George Savile generated he signed for something between 450 and 750 uh, thousand um, and then sold for I believed to be eight million pounds in uh, in 2017 um, great player George Savile again oddly Another player that's looked at his best at Millwall and never really seems to ignite anywhere else, does he? Some players find their, whether they like it or not, they find their theatre at Zampa Road. And that's there's a struggle for them to accept it, but that's that's where he was at his best, at his most effective. You're right. I mean, we had him on two loan signings before we actually then finally did sign him. And, you know, he seemed to enjoy his football down at Zampa Road better than anywhere else. Um this is interesting as well because this is what makes this sort of top five transfers. Because if you was talking about these are the, my favourite top, or my favourite players or my top five players, then in fairness, George Savile wouldn't get a looking. But when no, no, top five transfers just on the revenue generated from having him literally in and out in a very short period of time and making such a massive profit on him. He has to be in that list of top five transfers of all time. Again, he's got a bitty career, Dave, when you look at it. I mean, he's come from Chelsea. I think he came through the Chelsea system as a, as a, as a youth. <clears throat> loan to us. He's loaned to Brentford. 50 appearances for Wolves. Um, bit of loan to Bristol. Loan at Millwall again. Millwall to sign for. And then Middlesbrough. Where again, he's, he's probably had his best season last season for him, but not really... He doesn't seem to. He doesn't seem to generate the love wherever he goes. He, he, he's, he's a decent player, and certainly would have made a difference for us. But he's no Jed Wallace in terms of building a relationship with um, with the fans. You know, I mean, Jed is still highly thought of at Portsmouth. Uh, I don't know what level at Wolves, and certainly at the Den. Whereas George Savile is a. I don't know. It always feels like he's passing through somewhere rather than staying, doesn't he? Yeah, and you know, I've you know I've heard people say about you know we should be looking at maybe getting him back if we can get a good sort of offer for him and all that. But yeah, I'm not too sure. You know, whether or not no, he would be no. so good if he come back again. I think that's a good point about him passing through clubs. You know. I mean, it's interesting. We, we, we don't know how this season's going to pan out yet, and that we've got loans like the likes of Ryan Woods and, and Jason Malumbi, um, both players that are certainly the, the equal of George Savile. Malumbi, demonstrably in front of him in terms of ability and and, and sheer impact. So it seems that he's one of many decent midfielders rather than the standout, and he doesn't for me. It just doesn't generate the kind of, um, you know, the, the, the attachment that, uh, for example, Jed Wallace does. 
So um, I had him at my number three just purely on the money. It's just purely a, a that's just a deal, isn't it? At the end I also the had him in my top five as well. So for the same reasons, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the same reasons. You're listening to Achten Millwall. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Too serious a talk, Dave. Let's get over to the dark side of the street, mate, the dark end of the street. Number three, um, who do you have that your third worst transfer deal of all time? <laughs> I had two. I had the vodka fueled. Glasnost <laughs> ridden Russians. <laughs> Sergey Yaron Vasily Kulkov. How could we forget them? I actually think there's a show of some sort in the Russians and their little story because um, both were, we've mentioned them on the previous show. I've only just edited the one we did last week about the 95 96 season. And it, it's just such a it's such a comically Millwall story, isn't it? To sign these two World Cup stars and then find them to be drunkled sozzles. <laughs> Only at Millwall. Only at the den. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we talked about this. I think we've probably talked about this on a couple of shows now. But, you know, you've got two players, fat, pissed, couldn't speak English, don't have an EU passport. McCarthy's desperate to stem the tide, even though he's uh, fucking off for about four weeks from now. Bobby Robson, who probably hates us back from the 1978 wake up from the quarterfinal. Passes a tip to McCarthy. He obviously does his due diligence, whatever oh, yeah. that is. Um, signs these two blokes. One is massively overweight, nicknamed the tank, gets Thank injured you. after six weeks. I think he's most famous picture of me was him sitting on a football, which it could have been during the match. I'm surprised it didn't burst the weight of him. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Recently married, brings his wife over, gets pissed, goes to disco. She believes that's the way uh, footballers uh, are in Britain. You yeah. know, he gets done for drink driving. Chins Eric Young of, uh, of Wolves. And that was it, wasn't it? Goal, goes home. 
Uh, both both highly talented players, both with you know different. I mean, uh, just looking at Kulkov's Wikipedia page here, central defender, defensive midfielder. You know, he'd been round the Spartak Moscow's. He played for Benfica, Porto. Um, after us, is on Zenit St. Petersburg. So these were these were players of some some repute and and some ability. It's just the if only they could have kept off the vodka, David. <laughs> <laughs> that was all that was that was uh, and even a modicum of attention to training and we're just looking at um Uran, who I, I thought was a decent player and played more times for Millwall 13 appearances um again he's, he's come from the the Ukraine Dynamo Kiev Benfica Porto these are not names normally associated with Millwall players are they um uh, to know. be honest I um he had spirit about him Sir Guy Uran in particular, and not spirits in his body, but spirits about. <laughs> I left. Him. I left the obvious joke out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I would imagine whatever the sort of Millwall equivalent is in Russia, he would have been an absolute sensation because he did have a bit of sort of that sort of spirit that Millwall supporters like about him. But unfortunately, he probably had more of the other type of spirit knocking around than. Sadly true. Sadly true. They moved on to Dusseldorf, Bochum in West Germany, and then Spartak Moscow and Austria. And also, for any listeners as well, let's just be blunt about it. The reason they're in the top five worst transports is the sort of financial burden of probably the last straw before administration. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that both both players received hefty signing on fees, which I dare say went straight into the local pubs and off licenses of Deptford and Bermondsey, I would imagine, because I can't imagine they'd have got taken long to get through that. But both got hundred and fifty thousand pounds reputedly to sign on. Both were on five times the wage of the average Mill player, and their contribution in the Mill shirt was uh, was was less than zero. So um <sighs> The Russians, <laughs> they, ex- they exist in their own their own parallel universe. Korkov and and Uran, nineteen ninety five. Um, I, I I had them also. I had them further up the list at number two. So um, my my third worst signing of all time um, is the jo- Mr. Josh McQuaid. Remember Josh McQuaid came from That's Bournemouth. That is a great shout. I picked him out. I, I don't know. I, I've, I suppose I've had, what, how many years since the Russians now? It's going to come towards 30 years, um, about 25 years to absorb the Russians and get, you know, get my head around it. But I still never quite, never quite lost a sense of disappointment after Josh McCoy signed for us for £350,000 and looked good. At 30. He scored a, a, a tremendous goal in a TV game. I can't think of the opponents now, but he, he made a run from the centre circle down the middle of the pitch and shot from distance. And I thought, yeah, we've signed the boy here. This this kid looks like he's really going to come to life at the den. And that was it, wasn't it? That after that, he turned into a kind of um, uh, he got injured and and then disappeared without trace. And um, three hundred and fifty thousand pound we signed. So again, you know, yeah, in a litany of poor signings, yet another one. That was his only goal, I think. As yeah, well, wasn't it? Twenty eleven, um, just made twelve appearances. Um, then we loaned him to Burnley, which I think it, I think he was kind of one of Eddie Howe's, um, you know, developments at, at Bournemouth. And I think Howe was managing at Burnley at the time. He wanted to get back closer to him because then he would go on to Bournemouth afterwards. Um, but a, a player that's almost, it's got the kind of Ben Marshall quality of fritting away at the talent and, and the career because I thought he was a pretty good player, uh, Josh McCoy. Yeah, I now is, it, what's interesting for me is when you know, as you say, doing some homework on this, 
what I know is specifically about transfers um, in poor ones, transfers in the poor, is that really that a lot of that trend seemed to happen pre uh, John Berylson. And once John Berylson got hold of the reins, mm. it seems to have sort of like, you know, we, we haven't made lots of bad signings. But looking at McCoy, um, I think Berylson was in the club by then. And, you know, it's one of his very few sort of like uh, times where we've we've spent money um, unwisely. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, <laughs> we, we, we gave Bournemouth well, could be up to 550 grand. Yeah. 350, rising to 550. Um, and then within a year and three quarters, we've then given him back to Bournemouth, uh, basically for no cash. But then we've got Scott Malone on our books. So, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that deal slightly softened it for me in a way, because I, mean, I always liked Scott Malone. I thought he was a decent mm. player. I know, again, he didn't stick around long, and he, you can argue about whether he's a Millwall player, so to speak, or not. But I thought that the, the, some, of these, some of these deals are softened by what do you get back, you know, um, yeah. if, if not money, who you're getting. And I thought that slightly softened it. But it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I suppose now in the cold light of day, you look at Josh McCoy's career. He's playing semi-professionally now for Weymouth. Um, and he's, you know, it's, it's a downward, downward spiral, Dave. I mean, you know, we were, and then Burnley, Millwall, Burnley, Bournemouth. And he's gone downwards to Coventry on the slide, Luton Town, I think, in their, their kind of lower level days, Stevenage, Torquay, Aldershot, and Weymouth. Um, and I would have said that's a sad end to a career that promised a lot more. You know, it's, it, it has a Ben Marshall quality of, of, a, of, a, of a kid born with something, but not, not exploiting it in, 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 in the way he should have done. No, I thought he was going to be good. I was actually quite genuinely excited when he joined, to be honest. Josh McCoy, there we are, number three on my list. Um, who's your, back to the happy side of the street, the sunny side of the, of the road now, Dave? Who, who's your your um, second best signing of all time? Uh, well, this is where your plan really falls down now, Nick, because I've exhausted my five. <laughs> Have you? Oh, well, I'll, I'll go on to mine in that case. I'll just confirm my five in order. Go on, then. For my mum, who's probably the only person who's interested. So that's Tim Kane, <laughs> Les Briley at two, Neil Harris at three, George Savile at four, Colin Cooper at five. Give, give me one of your also rounds in that case. You've got your five there, so give me an also round and I'll come back to you with my second best. Okay, okay. My, one of my best also rounds, which is slightly... Uh, um, no, let's go very... Uh, Kevin Bremner. I've got lots of also rounds. There you go. Kevin Bremner. Kevin Bremner's a great call, by the way. Yeah. 1983, signed from Colchester for 25 grand, Millwall through and through. You know, um, it was at a time when we had this knack of signing, and maybe it was Graham. He signed the right players because, you know, without spending dwelling too long on these players, because we've got to clear the list here, we've got Otto Lukowski, South End, 30 grand the same year, and then Big John Fashionu from Lincoln for 55. All three of them, I've got them on my lists. All Millwall-type signings, I'd say. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I'll I, I make you right about George Graham. Again, a fairly... Uh, I mean, I've never met him, so I'm speaking slightly off the, uh, from the impression that you gain through the media, but uh, a little bit like a Rioc in a sense that he, do, he doesn't strike you as a, as a cuddly kind of guy, as, you know, slightly, slightly austere in some, in, in some ways, but a great, great judge of a player, just like Bruce Rioc was as well. Again, both have played at a high level, both are international players, um, both Arsenal connections, but both great, great judges of players. They could spot the qualities needed 
I mean, you, you know, you're 1982, I think Kevin Bremner came to us. You know, yeah. we're, in a, we're in a fight. We're in a fight and we needed we need a combination of spirit and talent and a willingness to put your, put your head on the block. And that, that was that man entirely. And, um, and, and to be honest, Nick, it was quite <clears> interesting <throat> going through the list. For me, there was three, three almost like blocks of when we signed a batch of good players. Obviously, we signed the odd really good transfer throughout the course. I, I've been tracking this from 82 onwards. But, you know, in the Graham era, we signed some really decent players. We, in the Rioch era, we signed some really decent players. Obviously, we signed some dross because yeah. every manager does that. And in the third time, we had a little spell around 97, 98, Cahill, Harris, Nevercott, even Robbie Ryan, I'd say, for 10 grand. What a signing. That's a quality signing, absolutely, what you're getting back from it. But I, I, I agree, Kevin Brennan, a part of a, an era of spot-on judgment, when we needed, when our backs were to the wall, to say the least, under Jules Graham. Um, I'm going to go back to my, my second best yep. in that case. Um uh, so Steve Morrison um, signed for 130,000 um, from Stevenage in 2010. Initially, we all thought we'd blown our money on a on a dud, um, but he did come good for us in, in over a number of spells for the Lions. Um, I think we sold him for a reported two million and something. I think 2.1 rising to 2.8 to Norwich after that first spell. So on that basis alone, that's that's not a bad. Return you spend 130, you get a two million plus back for your for your for your um, your asset. But again, Steve Morrison for me is more than just that one financial deal. It's the it's the kind of if not a if not a Neil Harris level of contribution, a major major contribution over that decade um, for Millwall Football Club, and we we got a lot more out of Steve Morrison than that £130,000, you know, we got, our, we got our money back and, and some of those goals that he scored for us over that, that decade. Um, I know some have it. I saw something on Twitter the other day about miserable Steve Morrison. I think they'd shown the, the playoff final on, on, um, on the you know, sky doing one of the nostalgic repeats. And he's, he's got a face on because the pitch invasion has just taken place. But that's not, that's not the contribution that he made to our club, um, the goals and his ability to pull situations around by just sheer experience and nous when his legs weren't there, he could find space and find positions. And I think he was a great, great player, great signing for Millwall. I, I, I actually did have, in fairness, I had him in my top five and I saw sight of your top five before I sent mine over and I just looked at the five and whipped him out to put Colin Cooper in to have a bit of difference. But yeah. I did originally have him down as my fifth. Um, you know, as you say, the value versus what we got back is, you know... It's immense, like yeah. Quantifiable, really. Yeah. Um, um, it was a... Really, he had three spells of us, and they were three different spells. The first spell, he was much more athletic, and he, he scored a lot more goals in his first spell, and he had a hunger to prove himself. When he come back in that second spell, he was clearly pissed off from his time at Leeds and was just desperate to play football. Uh, probably his least effective spell, that one, I'd say. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. When he come back third time, you know, uh, I think in, in some ways you could say he was at his best. I mean, he scored 19 goals for two consecutive seasons and always played a lot of games, you know, 55 games, 44 games, playoff, then we got promoted, 
you know, he really put it in. The bonus that he hates Leeds and Leeds hate him, that always uh, amused me as well. On that other point you make there about the FA Cup, uh, the uh, final, the playoff final at Wembley, you know, sometimes as supporters, you know, we have to realise, you know, that these Millwall, as much as we might not like it, it is their job, ultimately. Yeah. And that is that is potentially the highlight of his career. And basically, people then run on the pitch, spoil it for him. Might be a bit controversial me saying that, but ultimately, you know, it's going to piss him off. Um, people don't always see it through the eyes of a player, I think, as well, sometimes. No, it's an interesting one. I, mean, I, I, I actually felt at the time that despite it aggravating a lot of people, and it still seems to aggravate people even now that it spoiled his day, um, it didn't spoil anyone's day at all, really, in, in, in truth. But as, as a set of words, it probably helped soften the, <clears throat> the, uh, the FA's reaction to, to the club, which you know, they never really like it when Millwall get um, into a Wembley final anyway, do they? They're not exactly looking forward to it, so it just helped to... Um, to soften the, um, the the impact of what was going to come our way anyway. Um, so I, I, I don't buy a lot of that, and I don't buy the miserable kind of persona. I mean, I, I, I'm just looking at the figures here. 273 appearances over three spells, 63 off the bench, 92 goals. If that's not somebody that's contributed massively to Mill history, then I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for. So, for me, that's a that, that was a a top top deal. 130,000 signed, and and then we've even got some, you know, a, a two two point something million pound profit out of it. Um, so Steve Morrison for me, and we've already mentioned my number one being Neil Neil Harris. Um, where are we on the worst side of the street, though, Dave? We we, we mustn't. We never like to dwell on the. Um, the, chintz, the chintzy net curtain side. We want to get back to the dark side here. Um, I, number two for me was was Uran and Kulkov. Was that your second most worst deal? I, I can't remember. No, they were, that, they were my third, Nick. I like to operate in the shadows and the dark side. <laughs> I've still got a couple to go. Um, I suppose that's a lot about my psyche. You've exhausted all the best players. I exhausted all my best players first. Saved a couple of um, who's your number two well I've sort of bent the rules a little bit now you know I'm probably not the only one this week to do that so um, <laughs> I, I have gone for a win double slash treble treble I know where you're going with this slightly unfortunate <laughs> uh, Dave Sinclair Jason Dare and Crawford Steve Crawford Steve Crawford signs for a whopping one million pounds my million God, pound. when we were broke million? when we were broke <laughs> we rustled up a million from the, i don't know that must be like digging into the piggy bank and finding or underneath the mattress or in the teapot or something um i mean we in couldn't the, fucking buy a prawn sandwich when we got married <laughs> where the fuck did we get a million pounds from <laughs> this is i mean we've been relegated um we we've we've done 95 96 and, and another show so if you want to really go down the kind of dark road then listen to that show listeners but this was that this was jim manager new manager jimmy nichols reaction to us plunging into the third tier of, of the game was to sign up three hot prospects from rafe rovers i believe they all came from rafe didn't they that was that was his previous um previous management job um i mean in in order of incompetence i, th- I think um Davy Sinclair is probably the worst 
of, of the group there I, I, in terms of sheer lack of... He only lasted about five or six games before he disappeared back up north, didn't he? He did. He didn't last very long at all. Um, when we signed him from Rafe, I've got a feeling that they actually were on a really bit of a, a bit of a high for them. I'm sure they was in the Premiership. And they Did they make Europe? Are you in, in Europe? Europe. They was having yeah. a good little spell for them. They're only a small club, aren't they? So, That's you know, right. They were doing very well, so we nicked their manager, nicked three of their stars, only to find out that only one of them was probably half a star. The other two were dead uh, ducks, really. You know, Sinclair, six games, useless, soft as... Soft as shite, basically. He was, he was sent back from whence he came. He's the man with the tattoos on his teeth, wasn't he? Um, Jason Dare as a midfielder was was not... I mean, Sinclair was just awful, but they, Jason Dare was just like so-so. He was like um, wishy-washy bland for me. He didn't make any great impact one way or the other. Yeah, I thought he was a bit... He was like um, Phil Barber without the razzmatazz. <laughs> <laughs> there we are that's him <laughs> sums him up I mean Crawford I didn't mind Steve Crawford as, as, a, as a I mean you've probably got the best out of him whether we've got £300,000 of the best out of him is another question but 45 appearances two off the subs bench and 15 goals so I mean that's not a bad return although he didn't last long either Dave did he I mean you know just two two seasons I think that was no. his two year, two year deal and no, he went back to Hibernian if you cut it up and you said like they were all three hundred and thirty-three grand a piece, you you've been Crawford was a fair buy. The other two, not so. Yeah, you, you've been striped with Sinclair for three hundred grand, I'd say. And Dare, yeah, I mean, someone's you'd hope someone's earning some money out of that Jason Dare deal at three hundred thousand pounds. But Crawford was probably the only one where you say you got something close to value out of that, that group. But I think that was more about the, the time and circumstances and the dire, dire season that was to come. They were, they were part of the, the, the dire season. Wouldn't necessarily I, put down purely. Yeah, just one final thing on that. I personally, when you look at the time, when you look at the money, which I've never seen us spend anything remotely like that before, um, or probably since, um, you know, people forget that they, when people say, what's our record signing? For some reason, we never say Sinclair, Bear Crawford, one million pounds. It seems to somehow have been eradicated from history. That's right. It was, oh, it's uh, someone else, West Ham scum, 800 grand. Um, <laughs> you know, but actually, they are the record signing. And collectively, yeah. They are. Two of well, them were dog shit. Yeah, I mean Crawford is the only one that had some redeeming qualities, but I make you right. I still, it was it was it was a wild, wild deal, um, and you know it was of its of its times. Um, now we we did pre-agree before the start of the show that there is a special place, a ninth circle of hell. Dante's Inferno has its nine circles of hell, <laughs> and there's one person that resides in the ninth circle. And you you just mentioned this, you touched on it there, and that, I, I don't know if you had him in your list at all, but. Um, Mr. Paul Goddard um, of uh, West Ham Derby, Newcastle, West Ham primarily fame, um, in 1990 for many, many years, the single most um, expensive footballer in middle history and by some distance the most um, incompetent signing at that level for that money um, by a long, long stretch. I don't think anyone can come close to Goddard. No, Sinclair and they're, they're knocking on the gates of hell, but... Goddard is in it. 
and we will remain in it. He was awful. A lot of money. Again, we had this thing where we like to either pluck managers or ex-players from West Ham, forgetting that we actually don't like West Ham as a football club. You know, he's West Ham scum. But <laughs> we, we signed Goddard. What a replacement for Casperino he was. I mean, in... <sighs> QC for the defence here a little bit. I mean, in, in fairness, in fairness, with if you contrast it with the, the Crawford, Jason Dare and Davy Sinclair, all of whom have come from Rafe, I mean, <clears throat> no fair judge could look at those players and say, well, you know, you, you're getting something with proven a proven track record there. They, they had a, a season with in the UEFA Cup with Rafe Rovers and, and maybe scored a few goals in the Scottish leagues and that's who they are. So you could say that's a, that's a bad deal, and it looked pretty much like that. But there was no expectation of anything, really, I don't think. <clears throat> but if you look at Paul Goddard's career days, I mean, leave aside the the, the, the allegiances, I mean, 170 70 appearances with Creek QPR, uh, 23 goals. 170 for West Ham, 54 goals. 60 um, appearances, 19 goals at, at Newcastle, and then Derby, a similar ratio. Um, an England under 21, an England cap in 1982. He scored a goal internationally. I don't know who against. You know, he, he came to us with a proven track record. Not a Millwall player, I don't think. And I, I didn't, I remember not thinking I was terribly excited by this record deal at the time, given who we'd just come from, Cascarino and Sheringham. But he, you, you could say he had a record. He, he was a proven top flight striker, which he failed to deliver on on a grand scale. Um, for for many reasons, but for, I think it was a, it's a Millwall factor, isn't it? I mean, you look at that, and even when after he left us, he's gone to Ipswich, <clears throat> scored thirteen goals there over seventy two appearances. He failed spectacularly with us. I wonder, is it a personal thing? Did he, did he do it on purpose to us? <laughs> oh, I mean, you have this cliche, don't you? you know, yeah, he's a Millwall player, or he's not. But you know, when you just look at someone and you just think you ain't going to do it for us. No, no, I agree. He didn't look the part. He, he, nothing about that deal worked at all. Um, I, 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 often, I mean, he only played 20 times for us <clears throat> in in a, a two-year spell. I, I, he just didn't, the, the crowd didn't love him. He didn't love us. It's like he didn't want to play for us. I'm sure the middle players play for injuries. If you want to play, you'll, you'll, you'll run that knockoff, won't you, when you're on the pitch? But he yeah. didn't. He didn't. He's, I remember the one goal. Were you there for the goal that he scored? I was. was Manchester there. City? Man City. Um, That's right. Was it second replay or first replay? Can't yeah. Well, because I mean, for me, the great contrast of football itself was um, I remember well in that game, there was a boom that went around Cold Blood when Terry Hurlock and Peter Reid met in the middle of the park. <laughs> the two crunches came in on the football. Um, and I don't know, it didn't burst because there was like an earth-shattering boom that went round the um, the den. Herlock had been given the task of man-marking Reed, and I think he eventually was on a, on a looking at a second yellow and got taken off for Briley. So you had that that kind of very Millwall, you know, the the, the kind of cataclysmic kind of um, you know events with a, a man like Peter Reed, a great player, solid player. Met Terry Herlock, and the rest is history. And then you got. Paul Goddard scoring one goal, and I, I can't remember how he did it now, but it's it was it, he had that kind of um fey kind of um he would not get stuck in. It was just it was not Millwall, was he? It, it, just uh, the worst deal. Not. No, I mean, you know, I always tend to find when you look back on this type of thing and you do a bit of homework, 
you'll always find something new about someone when you you read enough. Uh, to be honest, I found fuck all. He was shit, and he's still shit, and it will always be shit. <laughs> But it so, was good for everyone else, though. I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah, but, but I hold that against him because that says to me that there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a personal spike quality going on there. Um, Maybe so Paul, he was a West Ham stooge. Or a stooge, <laughs> one of these sleeper agents. Paul Goddard in the ninth circle of hell exists as the all-time worst Millwall signing. I think we let him go for nothing in the end. I think it was a free free transfer. I don't think there was a fee involved. We just wanted yeah. out. It was, and to be honest, I was actually surprised he lasted to nineteen ninety one. I was surprised by that. That's from it. He was on the wage. He was on the wage roll till nineteen ninety one. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention before we. Um, that's my worst, and I think by common consent, that's the worst of all time. But I just want to mention um, a, a couple of uh, a tangent one here, and it might predate you, uh, Dave. But Chris Kelly. Of nine, in 1975. Now, we didn't pay big money for Chris Kelly, who was a Leatherhead player and achieved some measure of fame on Match of the Day. So I think Leatherhead went on an FA Cup run in the mid-70s. And I think, if memory serves, they beat Brighton, who was man- managed by Brian Clough at the time. And Chris Kelly achieved a kind of, what in modern terms, you call it like a viral quality. He, he would go on, on Match of the Day and slag off professional footballers because he just scored a spectacular goal and he was he was a kind of a non-league um, flamboyant player. And he achieved a lot of fame, um, when, uh, TV coverage and so on. And we signed him. And I remember being, what, 14 years old, mid-70s, um, very, very excited to see this flamboyant striker who didn't give a shit for the professional game, he was going to really tear it up and he's going to come in and show, it how, show us all that was really done. And he was wearing the white shirt and Millwall at the time. And it, he was he was odd level of disappointment. I mean, he, he came in, I think he disappeared after, I don't even think he made um, 15 games for us. Um, I'll have to have a look whilst I'm talking to, to find out. But he, he, he did nothing at all. And I remember being in, intensely disappointed because there was this, Lack of delivery on on after big talk. I think it was one of the, uh, the first times I learned. And boxing builds a lot on this, doesn't it? Trash talk beforehand doesn't necessarily deliver a great fighter in the ring, does it? Um, and I think that was Chris Kelly for me. I had one player similar like that that um, I can't even remember him. And we signed him, I believe, at the same time when we signed Neil Wembley, who was in my list of okay. transfers. A chap called Mickey Hall. Hall, yeah, Michael Hall, yeah, I remember Michael the name. Hall, we signed him for a hundred grand. Did we pay that much for him? <laughs> yeah, and then he went on a free to Barnet a couple of years later. Another one that I just got to mention here as well. So, bad one, Sam Allardyce, Big Sam. I think you've covered him off. Yeah, Ruddock down as a Ruddock was a strange one, wasn't he? Could we pay some million pounds, and then we sold him within a year for half of that. Yeah, there's a story in there, which has never really come out, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't think he got along with the doc, and maybe he wasn't going to be... Um, I mean, his moment of glory is when he headed a goal against Nottingham Forest in the first division days. Apart from that, I knew he was on our books, but he didn't know he was... You know, he didn't play very often. Um, no. I, a few others I've got down here. Boatser, I think you had Hammer Hammer yeah. Very pal. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Newman, a lot of money. For a lot of money. Scott Doby, did you get Scott Doby in your list? Uh, no, but I saw him on your list. That was a great shout. reason I didn't put him in because we actually sold him for a fair bit. As well. Yeah, we got our money back. Yeah, we got that... our money back. But he yeah. weren't, you know, he should have been a lot better. He was Gerard Lavin, you know, <laughs> half a million. What was we doing? Spending half a million pounds on a 
fallback, consider when we bought Ian Dawes for uh, 150 grand. Absolutely. Richard Cadet, we paid a fair bit Cadet. of money. He was him. useless. He was useless. Um, and one other player that um, I can't go a podcast without mentioning, but he seems to fall into every category that I do, and that <laughs> is, uh, holy fuck, it's Gregory John Berry. Greg Berry, yes, that's right. Still on Wikipedia. <laughs> Still live with that name. Someone's, I don't know, I can't believe that's his name. He won um, grand from Wimbledon in 1994, released on a free... Three years later, it's not a lot apart from one game of Forest. Oh dear! I'm going to end our show on a, on a happier note because I think we've 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 dwelt on the miserable side of the street too much. I'm going to run through some of the also ran best ever signings, and it's quite incredible some of the, the names that we've acquired for free. So these are free free signings really mm-hmm. from various locations. Um, Sean Hutchinson signed as a free transfer. Great. Um, great player. Uh, Zach Whitbread signed as a free from Liverpool. Yeah. Um, Steve Claridge, technically a free player. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Sadlier signed, I know he was only a kid at the time, from an Irish side. I think it was St. Patrick's for free. Um, Lucas Neal from the uh, the All-Australian uh, Sunshine Sporting Federation or something like that for free. Um, Casey Keller signed again from the United States um, Soccer Federation for free. I had Keller in and out my top five a few times. Yeah, I mean, one 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 of our best goalkeepers ever. It'd be you know, um, he'd certainly be in the in, in the in top two or three of, of great great middle goalkeepers. Um, and then Kenny Cunningham signed as a free transfer. Um, now I had that as a, a dual, uh, possibly best transfer ever. Cunningham and Goodman bought separately for a total of some of thirty grand, <laughs> one year apart. Sold in a complete and utter fire sale to Wimbledon for one point three. I mean, if there was ever a scandal of a uh, selling people on the cheap, that was it for me. Well, that's the, that's the story of. The, I mean, in a way, when doing this, the research for this for this show, I mean, everyone's going to have their own views, and and some will say you should have had him or you, you shouldn't have had him and whatever. But the story of Millwall, maybe it's what, maybe you know, it's going to come as no news at all to many listeners. But it's this kind of endless fight. On the one hand, you're signing brilliant players, and then you're frittering it away. You know, it's, it's like this kind of flow, isn't it? It's brilliance and uh, you know, shattering kind of disappointment. With, with it's, it's this kind of zigzag kind of um, quality to some of these. But I mean, even where we paid money, I mean, Chris Armstrong. We think we mentioned him, seventy-five thousand pound. What a player for seventy-five thousand pound. Exactly, exactly. Um, Interesting as well. Two threes that you haven't mentioned, where well, three actually, one's controversial, you know, overall, I think it was a good transfer, Dennis Wise was free. Yeah, he was, he was, yeah. I didn't particularly like him at the time, to be honest, but you've got to respect him for what he'd done. One who I really did like, and I, I forgot he was free, Kevin Muscat. Muscat, was he a free transfer? I hadn't looked at Oh, it. yeah, I mean, what a, what a right back he was. Um, well, it's funny, actually, there was a clip on, on, I think we beat West Ham 1-0 at home, and there was, there was a Muscat crossing from the right met by Dicchio inside the, the, just inside the penalty with a bullet header. I mean, what we'd, we, you know, Matt, Matt Smith kind of um, level of bullet header, met with a perfectly placed cross. What a player Musket was. I know he had his psychotic side, but he was a great talent as well, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. It was nothing better than when he was on his psychotic side. <laughs> I, used to, I used to sit on the halfway line in block 44 and uh, used to have the pleasure of him up close for 45 minutes and uh, always used to cheer me up if he was squeezing a winger's bollocks. Or, or he'd uh, just stamp on people, wouldn't he? Like, <laughs> for no reason. 
because <laughs> they hadn't done anything. They, they just wanted to yeah. meet out some pain. <laughs> uh, and the other three that uh, we both missed off originally, and I went back and looked, Jimmy Abdu. Yeah. <laughs> what did we sign him for? I haven't looked at Abdu. For free. Was it free transfer, was he? Yeah, wow. Really, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I thought we paid money for him, but when I had a check, I'm sure it was free. So, um, you know, signed from yeah, 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 signed from Plymouth in 2008. Uh, 305 appearances, 37 as a sub, and 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 nine goals. And he only ever scored important goals, Jimmy, didn't he? He didn't score many, but when he decided to score one, it was always one that counted, you know. Um, but yeah, freebie, uh, great player, very um, honest player, absolutely. Just, I'm just going to close this last. And we paid money for Alf Ward, forty-five thousand pound. One of my heroes as a as a, as a kid, and also uh, a joint deal, forty thousand pound jointly for Trevor Lee and Phil Walker in the mid seventies from Epsom, Epsom and Yule. Um, on one last one, Jimmy Carter, fifteen thousand pound. That's a, that was a deal from QPR, wasn't it? Buying... Oh, now do you know what? Again, I had Carter in my top five originally, and as I was wading through, he was in and he was out. Um, I can't remember why I finally dropped him out of the top five because I looked at him and I thought, fifteen grand sold to, uh, probably because we sold him for only eight hundred grand. He went to worth Liverpool, more. didn't he? Yeah, he was worth more than that. Such were the times. One hundred and fifty grand, another great player. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I we'll, keep saying the last one, last one. Alex Ray, hundred thousand pound. I mean, for what you've acquired for one hundred thousand pound from Falkirk, um, there was a player. That is wonderful stuff, Dave Collins. I think that's cheered us up a little bit, mate. Because I've not long been editing our our, our psychiatrist couch show, ninety five, ninety six. But I feel more chirpy and cheerful after the best and worst transfers of all time. So thank you very much to Dave Collins for that. And for your, for your input on that one, mate. No problem. Enjoyed it. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast, and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. All one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232. Leave us a voicemail. No human will be involved in the receipt of your message. So give us a shout. Tell us what you think about all things Millwall. And the best messages will be read out on air. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.